the James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Um, it's great to be here at Hotel um, Valle and tasting a new vintage of DVL. So tell me a little bit about uh, 19 and your thoughts about that for DVO and um, and comparing it to the 18. Do you want to stop, Maya? Yeah, I'll start. Um, well, we were just discussing, you know, over the past few days, um, just kind of recapping the past few years. And um, in 19, what was great was, you know, making wine in the same hemisphere, but in two different continents. It's a challenge for Axel to be able to come and uh, around the har- around harvest time and be able to taste things together and kind of get a grip on the what the vintage will be like. And 19 was great because it just worked out timing-wise that he was able to come just before we were starting to pick, which was around the third week of September. And uh, we were able to make a really nice game plan for mm. how we were going to make the wines for the vintage and analyze everything very closely and walk all the vineyards. So I think... Um, the 19 is very exciting to be able to taste it from a vintage standpoint. It's a lot more, it's a lot of brighter wines, a lot more fruit and um, aromatically is more expressive um, than the 18 is a little bit more broody and austere, but um, also just having more precision and focus in the, in terms of winemaking and having a couple years of understanding the different sites and really be able to hone in on, on making really fine wines. So. I'm very, very happy with the 19th. Did you change the sources at all or not? They're very consistent in the yeah. two vintages. So yeah. obviously it's still an early phase in, 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 in DVO. So, um, but what we probably like, as Maya said about, about 19, is, is it was the first vintage where it started to sort of acquire a certain degree of confidence. I mean, I myself in 17 and 18 didn't travel very close to harvest because I felt a little bit bad about leaving Tuscany right in the middle of harvest. So I said, I'll come in August before, uh, you know, between the whites and the start of the reds because that's safer. But then I realized that, you know, in 18, which was a very late ripening vintage, in some cases, I arrived almost one month before harvest. So it's not very useful to go, yeah, probably harvest is not going to take place <laughs> earlier than one month or so. But and in 19, I said, this is, this is not the right approach. So I said, okay, going to finish, um, try to find a slot between end of mellow harvest, you know, particularly that one particular mellow. I said, I'm going <laughs> to bring that in yeah. before leaving to California. <laughs> And the very start, you know, there's always a little phase around the 20th of September when you start to pick, you finish the really important Mellows and then you start the, uh, the young vine Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, so that's probably the right. And so it was really able to come as close as possible to harvest here, so that was an important thing. And yeah, they're pretty much the, the, the same sources uh, between 18 and 19, which makes it even more exciting because the difference of the wines is really very much related to the different um, style of the vintage. Yeah. Remind me, uh, what are the main sources then? There is Oakville, Mount Vida, and Coombsville. Those oh, ones. that's right. Okay. Yeah. So from the beginning, we had the idea, you know, we want at the same time cooler sites some point we just we, we also you know sort of understood that cooler sites are okay but if you want to make um, 
you know, a great a great wine here in Napa. There's no way to get around some places like Oakville, maybe Rutherford, and the heart really. So we expanded from 18 and 19 also to some uh, to some sites in Oakville. Uh, but I think you can tell the influence of of, of the different different uh, areas really in the wine because there's a combination I think between you know Napa opulence and richness yeah. and at the same time focus and something uh, a little bit more vibrant and uh, aromatic. Is Kilmsville a large percentage or it's pretty? It's a fairly small percentage. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say it's about comprises about twenty yeah. percent of the blend. Because Kimsville is like a cool area. And yeah, it is. Distinctly like blue fruited things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which yes. I really like, but. I like too. I like to say it's like, oh yeah, it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it goes, yeah, it's great for the blend. As yeah. Well. Okay. And what, so what do you think in, in, in the few years you've been making wine, like with 19 and now, like what, what have you learned quickly, um, Axel, like what? Yeah, first of all, I learned because, you know, in an European mindset, it's, you know, California is all one single unified thing. And, and most people know Napa and assume that it's all of California where it's just a fraction. And I was really surprised how extraordinarily different the growing conditions can be I mean, between Coombsville and some warmer sites. Mm -hmm further down in Oakville, it's, it's, it's like you're in an entirely different world. So there is a variation in, 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 in expressions of the same grape variety, which is, which is amazing, really. Very, very interesting and very fun to work with. Yeah, you can really see the differences. Mm. You know, uh, hillside, yeah. valley floor, and then all the differences mm. in the apple. Yeah. People really don't understand that. Mm. I like to often sure. say that it's... That the, the better model for Napa is Burgundy. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you have that because it's really incredible how different the the, 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 the different areas, uh, although it's all, you know, virtually all Cabernet Sauvignon, a little bit like in Burgundy, uh, although ours is not, ours is a, is, a, is a blended wine because that's a little bit the on side, I suppose, to mm -hmm. this project too, you know, the philosophy of blending and blending from different sites. But so, yeah, it's was the blend different in nineteen from eighteen? It's pretty slightly. similar. It's pretty similar. I think in eighteen it's eighty five Cap Sauvignon and fifteen uh, Cap Franc, and it's eighty twenty or something like that. Yeah, eighty twenty. So it's quite 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 similar. Twenty is going to be a little bit different because we couldn't harvest all vineyards, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, and in twenty we we introduced a little bit of mellow, not much, but a little yeah. bit of mellow. And do you think you'll stay with one wine or are you looking at other things? Time will tell. Yeah. I think it's early now. We want to get the main wine right and establish it and then we'll see if there's going to be offsprings and, you know, Napa leaves you various options. It could be a second wine, it could be a single vineyard bottling. I mean, that's to be seen for the yeah. moment. We're focusing on that one single wine and we'll see any further development. Maya, which vintage did you like better, 18 or 19? It's so hard. I mean, they're both they're both such you know high quality vintages. But I would say six months ago, I would have said eighteen. I've been really loving the eighteens and the depth that those wines have, and I feel like they're very philosophical wines that kind of continue to draw you back and are very intriguing and really make you think. But I love the charm of the nineteens as well. You know, it's just it's friendly is not the right word to use for it but they have this 
aromatic intensity that I feel very drawn to between the florality and the fruit. Um, it's very, very appealing. So it's, it's, t- it's a tough call between the two, I would say. But today, I think the 19s, yeah, are, are drawing me in a little bit more. That's a nice problem to have. Yeah, it is a good problem now. <laughs> Definitely. Did you change the um, the elevage or the aging, or did you anything in the winemaking, or was just more focusing on the fruit? I feel like with the Mount Beater sites, we got mm. a better handle on the tannin management. I mean, it's a very different animal than working from even hillside fruit, and mm. managing the tannins is very important. So, I mean, we talked a lot about. Um, temperature fermentation and extraction mm-hmm. really refining it and so we get that nice you know fine grain tannins and not get it super wide and kind of monstrous so i think in 19 we started really get a handle on them so lower temperatures lower yeah lower fermentation temperatures yeah. nothing you know, extreme but a little bit goes a long way i would say mm-hmm. that's very interesting because i think that's a general trend that i noticed in bordeaux also mm-hmm. everyone working at um like years ago it was 32 or something and now they're like 28 Eight, 29. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's really interesting there seems to be a general trend for that yeah to yeah. like to lessen the extraction of right it makes sense i mean think about like tea and fermentation or not fermentation but you know yeah, when you're seeping yeah. extracting tea is a very specific temperature that you want to extract for different I mean, we really have conditions now that are the opposite um than 20 or 30 years ago when everybody was heavily extracting and at high temperatures because you have to get, you know, as much color and tannins out of fruit that didn't necessarily have a very high content. And now today, if you want to preserve, so slow down the extraction because you want, you know, calibrated extraction, not too much, not to make too massive wines. You really have to put on the brakes these days because otherwise the wines are just getting too big. Plus, um, I mean, it's a funny phenomenon. Probably the very conditions we have are much more favorable to making big wines, but everybody's stepping down because we just don't feel like making these wines anymore. So, And therefore, sometimes it seems like very, you know, almost lazy winemaking, very little pumping, <laughs> short, short macerations. <laughs> uh, so really, I mean, but yeah, yeah. you know, the, the fruit is just so rich these days. If you want to preserve the focus and the freshness, you just have to do less. And it's interesting because it's not necessarily, well, picking a little bit earlier, but not necessarily a lot earlier. So it really is about extraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting.